Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, this evening. Uh, my wife uh, went to the optometrist uh, shortly after we moved here to Rochester and uh, to, uh, to get glasses, and she doesn't really need glasses. She, uh, she just likes to be able to thread needles and such, and so she, she started wearing glasses to read. She does a ton of reading on her phone. And so she said, I want glasses. And the optometrist made the statement, she said, most people with your eyesight don't get glasses. They would prefer to live in the blur. I almost entitled this sermon, Living in the Blur. But it's a scary fact that there are people who their eyesight is such, and they don't care. They function. Now, this frightens me because I have to consider that some of them are driving. Right? Between that and the smell of skunk coming out of cars, it can be a really nervous thought that be on the road sometime. In the text we're going to read, Peter is talking about your eyesight. About our eyesight as Christians. You might have noticed I've gone back to glasses because the contacts weren't crisp enough for me. I like to, I've worn glasses since I was three years old, so I like, I like to be able to see. He's talking about eyesight. And he's putting it in a sense that Christianity for some is drudgery. As Pastor Glenn Cluck used to say, it looks like you were baptized in lemon juice. And you you know, smiling might hurt your face or something. But the blessing and the joy of being in a relationship with Jesus Christ... And God the Father is so worth understanding that God wants us to have joy in this. But part of joy is actually seeing correctly. The Christian's eye exam, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Now, I'm not going to read them because they're separate sermons in and of themselves. It's a great Sunday school series that I'm sure we'll get to in the future where Peter says, uh, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue, you know, and goes on through the list. He finishes that list and he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fulfill who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. King James, New King James, you shall never stumble. Then God will, uh, who, uh, will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Christianity, and in context, Christianity should be seen in your character. Christian character. In our text, it talks about in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, do these things and you will never fall away. Verse 11, and God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the context of this, he's talking about being useful and productive. When I worked at Ocean Research Equipment, we had a man, he was a very interesting man. I had some interesting run-ins with him. But his job was quality control. He was to investigate and look at every piece of equipment before it went out the doors. He would examine it, plug it in, test it. He had certain ways of testing certain things. Uh, He had to ask. I had uh, part of my job was assembly of certain flow uh, meter. uh, valves, and so uh, I would put these together. I have to put in the lock screws, and one time I forgot to put in the lock screws. He passed it, and I remembered before they went out the door. Thank God, so that would have been very embarrassing. And so he was mad at me because I caught what he didn't catch. But in this text, it's talking about quality control. The quality control of your character in Christ. That's what he's looking at here. And God is contending for us to have the character of Christ. Philippians 1, uh, Philippians 3 rather, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on that perfect, uh, uh, I, I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus has first possessed me. Job 17 and verse 9, the righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. So God looks at your life and he says, is the character of Christ coming through? That's what God wants from you. That's what God wants from me. That's what God wants from every Christian. And in our text, Peter is talking about an increasing of that, how that should be evident that it's growing in your life. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8 in the message version says, With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in the experiences of our Master, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 4.18, the way of the righteous is is the first gleaming of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day. He ends this letter. Peter ends his epistle with the challenge. I want you to grow in the knowledge, and you must grow rather, in the knowledge and and, uh, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God is looking for progress in your life. And short-sighted people can get stuck. 
Because it has to do with productivity. The more you will produce and be useful. The number one thing people are looking for in life is purpose. What What is my purpose? That's what people really want. The killer of this is selfishness and self-centeredness. Not allowing God to have His way in your life. That's what kills this. You will see this from people, from witnessing to prayers, from serving to giving, growing or not growing. What God wants to do. Growing in your knowledge. You know, they have in sports, they'll have camps. Basketball camps and football camps, baseball camps. And they'll teach these young men and women how to grow in the sport. And I remember uh, at the Hall of Fame in Springfield, I would take lots of preachers there. They've revamped it and... uh, Rebuilt it, and I've not been since then. But they would have this little video, and they would have these camps in there. And they would be showing kids how to pass a ball, and instead of passing here, pass it here. Just push, push it a little further in your waist. And he says, that much difference can make a huge difference in a game. And the thought of growing in your knowledge, this is true in your work. I mentioned driving. It's true in driving. We've got some young drivers here. You know, uh, you get more comedy. You know, you learn the roads. You learn the vehicles. You learn uh, these kinds of things. You grow confident in these things. You grow mature in those kinds of tasks of life. And in our text, Peter is saying that we can grow mature in what God has for us, or we can grow mature in Christ. But then he tells us the danger is bad vision. Verse 9, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their own sins. Albert Barnes says of this, the word here occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It literally means to shut the eyes. To contract the eyelids or to blink or to close them. And you cannot see clearly, hence the nearsighted. The meaning here is one who is, has an indistinct vision. The one who can only see objects that are near him and no comprehension of objects that are more remote. He can see a little way into true nature and design of the gospel. But he does not take the large, clear views that would enable him to comprehend the whole system at a glance. You get people, they're they're consumed. What's right here? They can't see the whole big picture. They allow things like bitterness. Greed. Lust to overtake. They can't see past it. My dad used to take my glasses off all the time and go, how do you see through those things? And he'd clean them for me. This was when I was a young child. Put them back on and be like, there's a world out there. 
Cataracts happen to people very slowly. From the National Institute on Aging's website, it says, As you age, it is normal to notice changes in your vision. Few common changes for older adults include the losing the ability to see up close, thus the need of reading glasses. I had a friend who went to an optometrist and he said, you have two choices. You either can wear glasses or get longer arms. And since I can't lengthen your arms, I can only give you glasses. They have trouble distinguishing colors such as blue from black. They need more time to adjust to changing light levels. Goes on to say that your risk for some of the eye diseases and conditions may increase as you get older. Some changes are more serious. Keep your eyes healthy as possible by getting regular exams so that any problem can be spotted early. That's what Peter is talking about here. Are you short-sighted? Do you have the eye problems? Peter's warning about this because Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. Eye problems, especially cataracts, grow so gradually, many times people don't even know they're losing their vision. And spiritual cataracts can grow upon people. Jesus tells the church at Laodicea, he says, you have a problem. You say you're rich, and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing, but you do not realize you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They think they're doing great. God says you're doing horrible. They think they're doing fantastic. Man, I've got it all down. And God says, you got nothing down. The message translation says you're a poor, homeless beggar. Because you don't see it the way God sees it. You're not catching the way God is viewing the situation of your character. You're thinking, hey, I got it all together. Man, I'm doing good. Don't you know how long I've been a Christian? Peter's writing uh, to aged Christians. This usually is not a new convert's problem. The Pharisees, when Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter 9, some of the Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? Jesus replied, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Our text tells us the eye test. Are you growing in Christ? Are you more like Christ today than you were one year, five years, or ten years ago? Are you useful and productive? This is in our text. 
You grow more like this, the more productive and useful you will be. Have you forgot what you came out of? Do you know you are worthy of hell? And it is only by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ that you are able to go to heaven? Are you trying to improve your Christian character in God? He goes on to say in our text, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those who God has called and chosen. That's the eye test that Peter is bringing out. And if those things are about as fuzzy as the screen, then you probably do need a checkup. One man said, if vision is going to be owned by the people, it has to be more than something that they're talked into. Revelation 3.18, the church in Laodicea that he just told that you were blind and naked, he said... Verse 18, the next verse, he says, So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, so then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments that you will not be ashamed by your nakedness, and ointment for your eyes that you'll be able to see. He says, come to God. You've got to come to Jesus. Because the issue of Christ-likeness. Christian... It was at first a mock. You read the book of Acts. First time they called people Christians, they were mocking them. The terminology today would be Jesus freak. Oh, you're just a Jesus freak. You're just a Christian. Christian literally means little Christ. You have the character of that. Philippians 3 13 through 15, we read verse 12 earlier. He says, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I have my eye on the goal. This is the message version. Where God is beckoning us onto Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let us focus on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. And if anyone has something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Romans 8.29, For God knew His people in advance. He chose them to become like His Son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Again, the message version. God knew that what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided on the outset to shape our lives. And those who love him. Along with the same lines as the uh, life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity. And we are restored. We See, we see the original and the intended shape of our lives there in Him. 
We see it. You want to know what your life is supposed to look like? Jesus. Now, I understand we all will fall short of that. But blind people, nearsighted people don't even see that. That's how they get religious. That's how they simply can go through the rituals in and out and have all sorts of other things working in their hearts, attitudes, sometimes even sins coming out and they're not understanding that Christianity is to make you like Christ. And if you cannot see that, if you cannot take the eye test and see that in your life, then the question is, what are you becoming? What are you becoming? Paul, uh, Peter's aiming for our future in this. Because that's what he's talking about is the future. Looking down the road, the decisions you make today are what you become tomorrow. Second Peter 1, 8 through 10 again. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about this. Because in our text, it tells us, one, it will keep us from falling. Striving to be like Christ will keep us from falling. In the New King James, the King James, it says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Keep you on the right way. I think I mentioned recently, if you're in a place you're not used to, and it's dark. You know, maybe if if you come into a building you're not familiar with, if you're in a hotel room staying over someone's house, and, you know, know, trying to, maybe in the middle of the night you have to get up and use the facilities, and so it's like you don't want to turn on a light, and, and so you're trying to maneuver through a way in a place you're not familiar with. That can be a little scary sometimes. Vision is what keeps us from falling, keeps us from wandering. Proverbs twenty nine, eighteen, King James, without a vision, the people perish. The message says if people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble all over themselves. But when they really attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. If you've got that thing in front of your face, you're going to end up... I want to show a video right now. This happened a number of years ago. You may have seen this already. We're only going to show it a couple of times. 
Here's a woman walking in a mall, texting, and falls into the fountain. Yet another view of it from the other angle. This, here she comes on the side there. She's texting. Boom. One more time. Boom. That's short-sightedness. That's where people stumble. Because they can't... You can, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it just loops those two videos. That's what happens when people have something in front of their eyes. And they can't see the whole big picture. Peter says you won't stumble. He uses the term productivity or fruitfulness. The interesting thing is you will be more productive and useful in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. The many other versions say, for if you are in these things and abound, they will make you not to be idle nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Purpose, fruitfulness, favor, blessing. Jesus uses that word, same word, uh, that abundant, when I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. That God's plan is to enrich your life by the very purpose you were created for. You'll never be satisfied. The NLT says that thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. It's not just experiences. It's fulfillment. And finally, in verse 11, he puts the whole thing in perspective. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want a grand entrance when you get there? A couple years ago, I took my wife away for a night for an anniversary. And uh, we went up to uh, Saratoga. And I had enough points on uh, Hotels.com from driving across the country and different things to get a discount that we could afford this really nice hotel downtown. And it was really odd for me because I don't stay in hotels like this. I'm a free waffles kind of guy. That's, that's, you know, that's, you know, Hampton Inn, uh, you know, Fairfield Inn, that kind of thing. Not into these, wow, white gloves. And we, I've stayed in there a couple of times and every time it is, I feel weird. So they greet us at the door. They take our luggage up to what room are you? And we had gotten an upgrade and because of this. And so they took us up to the, you know. This thing had heated toilet seat. Clap. Uh, you know, it's not me. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I looked it up. It's like, a, you know what that toilet costs? $3,000. 
That's crazy money. But there, Mr. Sullivan, Mrs. Sullivan, can I, can we, is there anything, if you come, the bar's open here, and you know, we have room service here, and, it's weird. and I'm like, yeah, that's great. We're going to probably go down to, you know, the sub shop down the street or get a pizza delivered. I don't know, something, you know, and whatever. It was, but it was, I think I took her out for a nice dinner because it was our anniversary. But, you know, it's like, that's, who, that's not, but that's what he's saying here with a grand entrance. Saying he's gonna, they're going to welcome you in fanfare, red carpet, paparazzi, the whole works, a grand entrance into heaven. Hebrews twelve two. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who invites, uh, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, despised its shame, and now is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Jesus kept his eye on the end. For the joy set before him endured the cross. And we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. You can put your eyes on the phone or whatever is right in front of you, and just like that lady, you will stumble. Phil Grant said these words, A vision is the dominating factor that governs our lives. It determines all the choices you are making. It's what's left after the layers are peeled away like an onion, clinging like, a, like it's glued inside your rib cage. It's what your mind naturally gravitates towards when it's not legitimately concentrating on something else. It determines your friendships and your relationships that you are cultivating. It is what your prayers are about, what your dreams are about, and what you're giving money towards. That's the vision. That's what should cause you to want to be more like Christ. It should consume you. If not, take the eye test. And maybe you need some corrective lenses. Some correction from the Lord. Let Him do it. It's liberating. I got tired. I, you know, the I don't know if it was allergy seasons or what, but my contacts I couldn't read. It was like whoa, making the page bigger and couldn't, you know, still could. Like, forget it, man. I'm married. I don't need to impress anybody else. I wear glasses because it gives me clarity. Correction is liberating. Let God help us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. God wants to forgive your sins. All your sins. Not just some of your sins. Not just the ones you want to get rid of. All your sins. That's the mercy and the love and the grace of God. He wants to help us. But the only way He can help us is when we'll be honest. 
First admitting, I'm a sinner. And I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't make, I can't change and be Christ-like. Oh, you might be able to trade habits or stop a bad habit in your life. I know people who've stopped drinking, they've stopped swearing, they've stopped smoking, they've stopped drugs, they've stopped all sorts of things. But to be a Christian is to admit I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to help me. And maybe you're here this evening. You're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not born again. You need Jesus. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Pray for me, would you? I need to get my heart right with God. Anyone at all. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God, turned away, short-sighted, blind. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that the devil blinds people so that the light of the glorious gospel doesn't shine in. Maybe you realize you're like Laodicea. You think you have it all together, but God's looking at your situation going, no, you're not. No, you don't. You actually need to come to me. Let me help you. That's what he challenges this church to do. Come. Let me help you. You're backslidden. You need prayer. Slip up your hand very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians. This is the eye test. And the short-sightedness. The putting something right in your face. Closing your eyes. Not looking and seeing Christ. It's a dangerous place to be because... It, means you're not moving towards being more Christ-like. It'll prevent you from being productive and useful. Just heard of a man left our fellowship, rebellion and bitter, just came back. 33 years later. now in his 70s thank God he's back but what did he miss talent abilities giftings but got tweaked over some issues or whatever it was real or imagined spun off lost out of years of usefulness years of productivity because he became so short-sighted, even blind. Blind to his own issues. Blind to, because he was just so con- missed out. Very critical that we don't do that. Let's all stand. We're going to open these altars. Allow people to find a place to pray. We're going to sing a song. You were the word in the beginning. And worship God. You were the word in the
let's worship him and give him praise this evening. Father, we thank you.